Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning um, and to be with you. Uh, I hope you're, you had a, a great holiday. Uh, and and we're, I'm excited to be back in the book of Luke. Uh, you know, you just open up the, we love just preaching through the Bible, uh, and you just open up to this passage. This was the passage that, uh, you know, this is the next one. It's the one assigned to me. Uh, and you read it and you go, man, what is this sermon going to be about? I'm not sure. Uh, but that's the great thing. We, get, we just get to walk through the word of God uh, and, and, uh, and let him speak to us. And so I do really love Love it. This, this, uh, you know, obviously this passage is all about, uh, is a lot about Satan and demons. Um, and, and I, I, you know, my, my daughter uh, is a, she's not a demon, uh, but as far as I know, uh, but I'm just kidding. She's not in here. I'm glad. Um, the, uh, but she, she goes to a little preschool that we, we love. It's a little Christian preschool. And one of the cool things about it is that she learns lots of songs about Satan. Um, and you know, the, you know, like, uh, joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And it's like, if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack out. You know, there's that one. That's a pretty common one. She, she knows another, but there's like a lot of them. There's another one that's like, um, I wish I had a little black box to put my Bible in. I take it out and read, 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 put it back again. And then it's like mommy and daddy in a box. I'll take them out and hug them. And then it's like, I wish I had a little black box to put the devil in. I take him out and smash, 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 put him back. Again. Right. There's all these three-year-olds up there singing these songs about the, there's another one that's like, uh, you know, if uh, it's, it's like something about going, it's like if the oh, if my sister's in the way, I will stop and pick her up. If my sister's in the way, I'll stop and pick her up. My brother's in the way, I'll stop and pick him up. And then it's like, if the devil's in the way, we will run right over him. <laughs> All these, I'm telling you, there's lots of, of devil songs, um, but it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. I I, I like it. But we have to talk about. We, I think in our culture, uh, Satan and demons are can be a. I don't know, I think people have different views on them. And so we have to be really clear, I think, what the Bible says about Satan and about a demon. So uh, the, the three points today, kind of my outline, are Satan is real, Jesus is stronger, and be filled with the Spirit. Those three points uh, we'll, we'll walk through. So let's take a moment and pray, and we'll, we'll jump right in. I want to give you a second just in your seat to pray for you. Just pray that and ask God to open your heart, open your mind to whatever he wants to say to you today through his word. Would you pray also for me, oh, that God would, uh, would use me, that I'd be faithful to his word and I'd be helpful to you. Father, you know that we need you, we're dependent on you. Oh, you know that I can do nothing good without you and um, that I, I can't even change my own heart, much less anyone else's. And so we need, we need you to come. Holy Spirit, would you please speak through your word as you love to do. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. All right, so first, Satan is real. Satan is real. And so I do think we have to be clear about this in our culture. This, we're not just saying this is a, you know, an ancient personification of evil. This is how old, old the ancients used to talk about evil. We know now that you know, Satan is not a, a real personal uh, being. Um, no, the Bible teaches that he is, right? And, and portrays him as one. 
Satan and demons are real. Uh, verse 14, now he was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon came out, the man who had been mute spoke and the crowds were amazed. Um, so at, at, this, at this point, a demon is really cast out. A demon was, was possessing this man, causing him to be mute, and, uh, and Jesus told him to go, and he obeyed. Uh, he went. Demons have power. They have personality. Uh, they have will, uh, desires. They, they hate us, right? Demons, they, demons really hate God, uh, but they, they can't attack God directly, and so they attack us, uh, the ones who God loves, and so they, they, they hate us. Satan has comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. This is uh, what he does. And Jesus is a well-known exorcist, right? Throughout the gospels, this isn't the first time we've seen, uh, even the gospel of Luke, Jesus cast out demons. He's casting out demons all the time. Um, you know, everyone he talks to, every demon submits to him and obeys him and, and is, is terrified of him, really. Uh, and and uh, C.S. Lewis, in, his, uh, in the, the preface to the Screwtape Letters, uh, he, he says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. All right, so there's, there's two uh, opposite errors we, that we can fall into. I think that this is true. Like you, can either, uh, you can either not believe in demons, right? Just not think they exist, not ever think about them. Uh, they're not, no factor. Uh, that's not true. The Bible speaks a lot about the demonic and about the spiritual realm. Uh, they are real. They, we have an enemy who's real. Um, on the other side, you can, you know, overemphasize the demonic. You can find a demon under every, you know, behind every cough, uh, in every, every flat tire, every, in every situation. Anything that opposes you is demonic, right? Um, and, and so you can, you can overemphasize and think too much about them. Um, and, and I don't think we, we should do either. I think we, we need a realistic picture of uh, the, the demonic, and that's what, what uh, the, the Bible gives us. That's what Jesus gives us. That's why it's important that we learn uh, about demons, not from movies, uh, not from, you know, things we see in our culture, but from the scriptures, um, what God reveals to us. Now, the main, the main conflict of this passage is uh, people, uh, you know, the, some, and we learned that it's the Pharisees and the scribes uh, from, from uh, the, this account, both in Matthew and in Mark. Uh, we, we learned that they're accusing Jesus of using demonic power, using Satan's power to cast out demons. All right, verse 15. But some of them said, he drives out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. And others, as a test, were demanding from him, of him a sign from heaven. So they say, he's driving out demons by Beelzebul, which is, uh, I guess, a nickname. It seems like it's a nickname for Satan. I guess they don't want to, it's like, don't say Voldemort. You know, they just want to use this nickname. Uh, and and the, this is what they call it. But clearly, Jesus says, he's, he's, he knows they're talking about Satan. That's who they're talking about, the king, the prince of the demons. Um, and so and the, I think it's important to know that these, these people who are saying this, that they're coming, they're not coming with pure motives, right? These aren't just curious people like, what power is this? It might, maybe, it's, maybe it's from Satan power. I don't know, right? No, we learn, especially from the, the Matthew uh, account, uh, it's very, very similar. Jesus drives out the demon uh, and, and it says the crowds are, they marveled, they're amazed, but, but it adds that the crowd, some of the crowds were saying, May, could this be the son of David? Maybe he's the Messiah. There's the people who are, who are moving toward believing in Jesus is who he is because of all these works that he's doing. He, he's proving uh, who he is. Um, and, and then it says, so the Pharisees said, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, right? 
So they're coming, they're, they're trying to, they see this power. It's interesting too, they, they can't deny it. They don't, you notice they don't say, oh, that was just a trick, it's not real. It's, he's, he's a charlatan. They, they can't deny that he's doing mighty things. He's casting out demons. Everyone agrees. Uh, everyone has, has sees this. Um, but, but, so, but, but they say, we got it. We got to discredit him. We don't like him. So we're going to say he, he, he's, he's empowered by Satan, not by God. Okay, so how does Jesus answer? How does Jesus answer them? Verse 17, knowing their thoughts, he told them, every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction and a house divided against itself falls. So he quotes here a common proverb, common knowledge, right? A kingdom that's divided against itself, a kingdom at civil war, in a civil war is not, uh, it's not looking good, right? That kingdom is gonna fall. A house divided against itself, there's members of a house who are trying to kill each other. That's not good for the household, right? That, that doesn't look good. Uh, you know, the future is not very bright for that, that household. And so he says, verse 18, if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say, I drive out demons by Beelzebul. And he's saying, you're seeing what I'm doing here. Like I'm going, I'm, I'm casting out demons left and right. If Satan wants to hurt, wants to mute, wants to maim, wants to destroy, right? I'm coming through and I'm healing and I'm setting free. And, and you know, I, like I'm destroying the works of the devil here. Uh, you think I'm using Satan's power? Like Satan, you think Satan's destroying himself? Like what, is, what are you even saying? It doesn't make any sense. It goes on in verse 19. And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. Right, this word sons can mean followers. So we don't know if it's their, their physical sons or he's meaning those people who are with you. He's saying, I think he's saying you guys cast out demons too? Well, how, do, how do you do it? Is it by Satan? Like, no, you know it's not by Satan. Like he, he's, he's, he's calling them out for the insincerity of their, of their questioning. I mean, and he's just saying, I, th- this doesn't, of course I'm not casting out demons by Satan's power. Right, of course I'm not. Verse 20, he changes it on him. He says, if, if I drive out demons by the finger of God. Right, he says, have, have you considered though what it might mean if it's not by Satan that I'm doing this, but if I'm doing instead by the finger of God. He says, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. This, this language, the finger of God, um, it's a throwback to Exodus. Uh, it's a reference to the Exodus account. You, you, you might know the Exodus account when God sends Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh um, to bring the Israelites out of, out of Egypt and out of slavery. Uh, he sends them, uh, you know, they say, let my people go. Uh, Pharaoh says, no. And so God begins to do these mighty works, these plagues, um, uh, you know, and, and if you remember, uh, Aaron throws down the staff and it turns into a snake, right? And then he's able to pick it back up again. Uh, and actually Pharaoh's magicians do the same thing. They, they're able to pick their, they're able to throw their, their staffs down and make them snakes. Aaron's snake eats their snakes. So there's some power going on, but, but, uh, but they replicate it, right? And then actually the next one, they, they also replicate they re- the water to blood, right? They, uh, Aaron and Moses turn the Nile to blood. Um, then Pharaoh's magicians do the same thing. They turn water to blood. And then uh, there's frogs, like Moses and Aaron produce frogs all over the land of Egypt. Then the magicians produce frogs also. Um, but then lastly, or the, the, the fourth sign um, was gnats. And, and which, oh, it's just horrible. But all the dust of Egypt, it says, became gnats and swarm, gnats were swarming everywhere. And the, this is the first one the magicians were not able to replicate. The magicians of Egypt were not able to replicate. And what they tell Pharaoh, they say, 
this is the finger of God, right? We can't do it. This is, this is the finger of God. Something more powerful than us is here. And this is what Jesus says, if, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Then there's something more powerful here. Which leads to our next point, Jesus is stronger. Jesus is stronger. Verse 21, when a strong man, fully armed, guards the state, his possessions are secure. Okay, so this is, this is Satan. This is the image of Satan. He's a strong man. Satan is strong. We know that, that our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He seeks someone to devour. We know that he's older than us. We know that he, uh, he's you know, seen a lot more than us. He's more experienced than we are. Um, he's an angelic being. He has certainly uh, certain powers that we do not have. Um, but as a strong man, fully armed, guards the state, his possessions are secure. And maybe this was, this was uh, you know, Satan in the lives and his demons in the lives of all of these people that Jesus has been ministering to in the lives of this man who was mute, right? His, his possession was secure. He had control of these people. Um, his, his possessions were there. Verse 22, but when one stronger than he attacks and overpowers him, he takes all his weapons he trusts it in and divides up his plunder. Right, there's a strong man, he's guarding his day, but when someone stronger than him comes in, ties him up, overpowers him, ties him up, and what takes all his stuff, all of his armor, all of his weapons, everything he trusted in, and plunders him, takes everything. Right, and this is the stronger one, is Jesus. Right, Jesus comes in to all of Satan, all of Satan's houses, right, all of Satan's places, and he binds him. And isn't this what we've seen throughout Luke? Isn't in Luke 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness, Right? Satan tempts him, throws every temptation he has at him. And what happens? Man, Jesus is, is victorious. Jesus doesn't give in. And he comes out in the power of the spirit. And we, we just saw just even the last chapter of Luke, in Luke 10, uh, Jesus sends out his, his disciples. They go to do ministry. They come back, they're rejoicing. And what does Jesus say? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus has been binding the strong man. He is the stronger one. And of course, he uh, would defeat the devil ultimately at, at the cross. This is what he's working toward. Right? Defeat the power of death, the power of sin, the power of Satan forever. And this is, there is a cosmic war going on. Right? Notice the language here. This is this military language. And there is a war. There's a war in the heavenly places, a real war that we can't see but it's still going on. And Jesus is victorious, right? It's, it's, this is the song we sang, right? We're fighting a battle, you've already won. He's already won it for us and we fight in it. We know the end. I look at verse 23. This is kind of the summation of this, uh, this teaching. Anyone who is not with me is against me and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. Now, I think this is interesting. I've always read this. It's so close to, to Luke 9.50 um, that I've always wondered, is it, is it, it seems like it's a contradiction, right? It seems like it could, he's saying the opposite thing of what he just said. Uh, back in 9.50, if you remember, uh, John responds, or 9.49, John responds to Jesus and says, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. We tried to stop him because he does not follow us. And Jesus said, don't stop him because whoever is not against you is for you. 
See that? It's like, oh, that seems like the opposite of what he said. Um, but, but it's not. And I think when you put them next to each other, you, you understand, oh, it's, it's, it, they're actually not saying the same thing. And in this one, uh, which we looked at before, right, they're, they're talking about people who are doing ministry in Jesus' name who aren't with them, right, uh, aren't part of their group. And so, and, and if you notice the pronoun, it says, whoever's not against you, is for you, right? I think we should be generous in how we evaluate other people's ministry, doing ministry in Jesus' name. We should be generous. If they're not against us, man, we're on the same team, right? We should be generous about that. But uh, in our passage, in, in 11.23, Jesus says, anyone who's not with me, right, with me, is against me. And there's always with Jesus this, this claim of exclusivity, Right? Anyone who's not with me is against me. There's no middle ground with Jesus Christ. You cannot ride the fence with him. Right? You're either for or against. The kingdom has arrived. The king has walked on our ground. He has eaten our food. He has spoken to us and healed us. Jesus bound the devil, plundered his property. He has died. He has risen. He has, he has ascended to heaven and he's called us to himself. And we're either with him or against him. That's what he says. You're either with him or against him. And we might not like this darkness, uh, you know, in our culture, this darkness of here's, here's the situation, but it's, it's just laid out not only here, but, but throughout the New Testament, right? What does Jesus say in, in Matthew 6? You, you can't serve two masters, Right? You can't, serve, you can't serve God and money. You can't love money and love God. If you love money, you can't love God. And 1 John 3, right? What, is, what does John say? He says, you're, he calls people either a child of God or a child of the devil. He says, you can't love God and your sin. Right? You can't say, yeah, I'm a follower of God and have this sin that you're just, you're just living in, right? not repenting of. No, 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 that doesn't work. You can't, ride, you can't ride the fence. You can't diversify your allegiance. Right, I'm gonna be, yeah, allegiance to Jesus, some there and some to me and some to this other religion maybe, just in case whoever's right. No, 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 there's none of that. Paul, you know, many times in Romans 6, talks about being slaves to sin. We're born slaves to sin. And when we're, when we're born again, we become what? Slaves of God. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. Ephesians 2 Right? You, were, right, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. Paul says, um, man, you're either a slave to sin, a slave to Satan, or you're a slave to God. The nature of the spiritual war that we're in is that you're on one side or the other. There, there are no Switzerland's. Listen to what Paul tells the young pastor Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 2. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And here it is, verse 26. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Right, this is, we think of demon possession as like the guy who's naked in the tombs, you know, screaming like, oh yeah, that's demon possession. That, no, this is, this is common, ordinary, everyday demon possession, right? You're, you're the trap of the devil taken captive by him to do his will. If you don't walk with the Lord, this is you. 
And if you're here and, and you're not a follower of Christ, but maybe you think you're free, but you aren't. And it's really easy to prove, right? Just, just try to do good for any length of time. Try not to do something bad. Something even you would agree is bad. You can't, right? Why? Because we are slaves to sin, slaves to Satan. Anyone who's not with me is against me. Anyone who does not gather with me scatters. We either, and it says at the end, there's an agricultural metaphor, either gather with me or you scatter. Right, you, 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 can't, uh, you, know, you, you can't ride the fence. Uh, this, it's the nature of things. You either are, are helping people to the Lord or you're keeping people away from him. Charles Spurgeon has the great quote I've, I've used before, uh, but it convicts me every time. It says this, every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Recollect that. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. Of course, I do not mean that by that that those who use the pen are silent, they're not, and those who help others to use the tongue or spread to that which others have written are doing their part as well. But that man who says, I believe in Jesus, but does not think enough of Jesus ever to tell another about him by mouth or pen or tract is an imposter. Jesus, the stronger one, has come. He has bound the devil. He's defeated him. The kingdom of God has come upon us. And so the practical effect of living our lives for his kingdom, living our lives for him, is that we gather others. We tell others. We others see the hope that we have. And the practical effect of living for any other cause than Jesus' kingdom is that you, you distract others, you scatter others from him. You point others to other loves, to other goals. Lastly, be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Verse 24, when an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places looking for rest and not finding rest, it then says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. Returning, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. This seems a little random, uh, right? It, 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 what, is it, what is he talking about here? This describes a demon, an unclean spirit, who, who leaves um, and then you know, comes back, finds the house he stayed in, the person he stayed in, uh, swept and put in order. He's in a better condition, right? Because the demon wasn't in him. Uh, and, and, and so he gets his friends and comes back and it's worse, you know, they all live there and it's worse even than before. What's happening here? Well, I think Jesus is illustrating verse 23. Right? Anyone who's not with me is against me. Anyone who does not gather with me scatters. I think he's warning people, and especially even in Matthew's version, at the end of this, it says, so it will be with this evil generation. He's warning these people, he's warning this generation not to leave their house vacant and unguarded. Don't leave your house unguarded. 
People who saw, think about this, people who saw Jesus, the towns he went through, right, where he healed, where he taught, where he, he cast out demons, what happened? Well, they, they were in a much better position, right? They're, they're, everything's swept, everything's put in order. They're good, right? They're, they're much better than when, when before he came. But Jesus says, that's not enough. That's not enough if you don't have, if you don't believe in me. If you don't, if you don't have me living in you, Right? If you, don't, if you don't have attachment to the stronger one who can guard your house, sweeping up and putting in order isn't enough. Moral behavior, moral improvement, it's good. Right? We, should, we should pursue that, certainly. But we're not safe by it. We're not safe. We, we can build a life, a family, a church, a country on good values, but that is not enough. It's not enough. If we're only swept and put in order, then we're set up to be taken over by evil spirits worse than before. We need the stronger one, the one who has overcome the devil to dwell in us and to dwell with us. And I think we can apply this to to the church in general. We see this in the church. We have the Bible, we have the truth, we have God's word, but it's not enough to just try to be obedient to the moral principles laid out in scripture. All right, it's not enough. We need to be indwelt by the person of the Holy Spirit. We, we, we can't be vacant. We can't just be an empty house. We need a relationship with Jesus, not just a moral checklist. We need faith, not just works. We, we need a vibrant living experience with an allegiance to Jesus Christ, not, not just dead orthodoxy. And, and if we become that, if we become just about good principles, good ideas, and we lose the presence of God among us, not only will we be dead, but, but we'll make a mockery of Christianity. And many churches have gone this way. Many whole, whole denominations, I think, have gone this way. And I think we can apply it to our church, which we should, right? Our, our church, specifically, Redeemer, and, and us as individuals, we can dig in deeper. Because I think we're in danger I think there's always a danger. Right? In, 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 in uh, Revelation, what does Jesus tell the church at Ephesus? The church at Ephesus is a great church. Right? You read it and then Jesus praises them. He praises them for doing many good things, for rejecting false teachers, for enduring hardships and trial, for persevering you know, temptation. He, he says, they're, they're, he praises them for doing all these things. It's like, man, that's a great church. But, but then this warning, Jesus' warning to them rings out across the ages for churches that get it right in a lot of ways. Here's what he says. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You've rejected false teaching, yes, but where's your love? You've endured hardship, but you've forgotten me. You've forgotten your true bridegroom in the process. Go back. We can't just use Jesus to clean up our lives, (laughs) to be a clean, vacant, put-in-order house while neglecting Jesus himself. You need someone living there, the stronger one who has plundered Satan. You need him with you. Anyone who's not with him is against him. Anyone who doesn't gather with him scatters. 
Dale Bruner says that the best one verse commentary on this little, on 24 through 26 is Ephesians 5, 18, which says, be filled by the spirit. Be filled by the spirit. Right, and Paul, it's interesting, he's writing to Christians, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, but he says, be filled by the spirit. Well, aren't we filled by the spirit if we're Christians? Well, yes, right, we receive the spirit when we, when we become Christians. But, but there is a continual filling. There's, there's a, the command to be filled, right? Keep being filled with the Spirit. Let Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. It's the only safeguard against Satan and his schemes. And as we're at the beginning of the year, I hope you're thinking about spiritual disciplines. I hope you're thinking about these things, Bible reading, prayer, meditation, silence and solitude, community, giving, like all these things, service, these, these great um, disciplines that, that we have. And th- these are great ways to abide in Christ and to, for, for him to abide in you. But I, I would just urge you and, and encourage you to be careful um, not to use them to avoid Jesus. Right, this is what Pharisees always do, and like <laughs> recovering Pharisee, like my heart always goes this way. It's what, it's what we always do is we go, okay, I, I did my 30 minute devotional, perfect, box checked, so that now I can go live my day however I want to. Like this is my day, <laughs> I already gave God his little section, you know? Or if I, if I, as long as I attend church and I'm tithing, Man, I'm good. God, me and God, we're good. You know, and then I can do pursue my goals, do whatever I want on with the rest of my life. No, no, no. Right? Wait, how can, how can we not? How can He not have everything? We've been bought with a price. Glorify God with our body. Every cent we have, every minute we have, every breath we have. Right? It's all His. And so, don't use spiritual disciplines. Even don't use good things. Don't use coming to church to 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 say, okay, I don't have now. I don't have to interact with Him as a person. Oh, we do. But that's the joy, right? There's no joy in the check in the box. The joy is in him. The joy is in knowing him. Use spiritual disciplines to to bring you closer to the Lord. Or else don't do them. Why do them? Right? This is the point. Be filled with the Spirit. And if you want uh, another just point of how does that look, uh, I think you can look at the next two verses. This wasn't in our reading, but uh, verse uh, 27, 11, 27, 28. As he was saying these things, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. He said, rather blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Right, this woman raises up, says, blessed is your mother, like the womb that bore you. And Jesus says, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Right? It's not just proximity to Jesus. It's not just being around him or being near him, looking good on the outside. Right? It's, not, it's, not just, it's not just looking like you're religious that counts. It leads to blessedness, to happiness. No, no, no. It's Brother, those who hear the word of God and keep it. What does Jesus say? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. This is another thing Pharisees do. Pharisees care very much about how their their appearance, about how they look to others, about how they're presented to others. But when you get inside, right, what? They're full of dead men's bones. We'll see that later on in the chapter. Right, they don't actually hear the word of God and keep it. It's important that you look like you're obeying, but you're not actually obeying. Again, don't use... 
any, any mask, any persona, don't use any spiritual discipline, anything you're doing that looks good, don't use that to avoid God himself. And blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is those who are filled by the Spirit. And so as we close, um, we, we come to the, the crux of the matter, right? Which is the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Right? Did he die? Is he alive? Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Right, if you say, yeah, I believe that. Well, how did he do these things? How did he die? How did he rise from the dead? How did he cast out demons left and right? How did he heal people of every disease and every affliction? Because if it was by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon us. There is a universe, there's a reality in our universe that we can't see, and that is the kingdom of God that is among us and is working. His will, his rule being done. And, and if that's true, if this is by the finger of God, if he is the Messiah, if he is alive, if he's the Lord, then what option do we have? What option do we have to ride the fence? The kingdom has come upon us. We encounter the living Christ, Jesus alive with fire in his eyes, the judge of all. Won't you give yourself to him today? for the first time or, or for the millionth time. Won't you give yourself fully to him today? Let's pray. As the band comes up, I just wanna give you a moment and, and uh, talk you through a little time of, of reflection and, and response. First, I just wanna mention to those, those of you in here who don't know Jesus, Are you open to the possibility of knowing him? And if you say, no, not really, I'm I'm not really open to that, um, then man, I'm I'm glad you're here, but I would wonder, I would just follow up and say, well, why not? Why aren't you open to that? And maybe that's the thing that you need to think about, just as you sit here in in silence, just ponder, and why, why aren't I open to a relationship with God? Maybe that's a quick answer, you know. Maybe you haven't thought about it. But if you'll humor me, uh, I would encourage you actually pray, just to pray that, just to tell God in the, in the silence, he, he, he can hear you uh, in, in your mind. And, and if he's not real, then what's it gonna hurt, right? Uh, just tell him why you're not open to a relationship with him. Say that in your mind. If you are open to, to a relationship with God, but maybe you're not sure, then I just, I just suggest this simple prayer for you. Just say, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. If you're real, show yourself to me. That's a, that's a dangerous prayer, so don't pray it if you're not actually wanting it to happen. But if you are, then pray it. I'll give you a moment.
Next, I just want to mention uh, and talk to those who, who, those of you who want to know. Maybe you don't know Jesus, but you want to. Like, I want him. He seems awesome. He is awesome. Uh, man, the way is fairly straightforward for you, right? It's, it's straightforward. You, you simply admit that you're wrong, right? That you've, you've rebelled against God, that you've sinned, you've walked in ways that you just agree with God that the way you've been living your life isn't right, right? It's repentance. You turn from that. You go, God, forgive me. Forgive me. And, I, and you just trust him. You trust that he lived, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. And you ask him to be the Lord of your life. And you just open up your heart and give yourself to him. And you won't regret that. And, and we're praying for you right now, just so you know. So I'm gonna give you a moment. If you, wanna, if you wanna pray that, if you wanna open your heart to Jesus, you can do that right now. And then lastly, I would just speak to our, our church family in here. Um, and I think the question is just, how have you been avoiding Jesus? <laughs> have you, and it's, isn't it a shame that we do this, don't we? How have you been avoiding just being with Jesus? I ask the Holy Spirit what needs to change and you let him show that to you now. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for sending your son for us, the stronger one who bound the devil, who had us enslaved and captive in chains. That we were without hope and without God in the world. And you broke into the jail cell and you pulled us out. You know our weakness. You know how distracted we are, how fickle. But Lord, in every, in, in every way that we can, Lord, would you get, we, we, could we give ourselves to you today? We are yours. We want you. We want to follow you, be faithful to you. We want to be filled with your spirit, with joy life. Lord, we want to be used to gather, to gather people from Tomball, from uh, Texas, from, uh, from the ends of the earth. Lord, we, we want to be used for your kingdom and your glory. Would you do it? Please help us.